five, four, three, two, one, zero. All engine running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. You're listening to Tabletop and Beyond with your host, Justin. But before we get started, how was your geek week? And co-hosts, Dan and Jason. You have to be willing to let the dice help you tell the story. Okay, look, this year, I'm going to stop mispronouncing words. Join us as we cover board games to war games and beyond. Welcome back to Tabletop and Beyond. I'm your host, Justin, and I'm here with the gang, Dan and Jason. Hey, everybody. Howdy! Well, boys, we're we're looking good for our second episode in January. We're on schedule for <laughs> our, <laughs> per our um, plan that we developed at the beginning of the year, so that's a good thing, right? Yeah, you bet. Uh, we have you not. Know, I, we have not blown out uh, what we think we're capable of doing yet, so we're just going to exactly. stick to it. <laughs> yeah. I will say uh, the little bit of extra time of not, you know, having to do a podcast last week, I think, really helped me plan and prep for today's podcast. I, I'm really excited about what we're talking about. Me too. Um, I still don't understand how you find the time to do all the things that you did for the prep for this, but we'll introduce <laughs> the topic here, and it'll be fun. Absolutely. So we got a great main topic for you guys today. We're going to talk about the Alien franchise, but we'll dive into that after Geek Week. So Jason, how was your Geek Week? Had a fun Geek Week, man. So been really messing around with my uh, 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 Ultimate Pass with the cloud streaming. Uh, oh yeah. You know, so many games are being activated with cloud streaming now. Um, and I, I was like browsing some old the. Ones. Old, yeah, like, yeah, and know. I was browsing the. Well, I was waiting for a buddy to get on online so we could play some more Alien Aliens, the new one, right? Uh, Fire Team. Um, I was just browsing the store looking for some cloud games, and I just uh, I came across Quake, the original Quake, and I was like, "Holy crap! I've got to stream this." Quake so one. I, Quake yeah. one. Quake one. Oh my one. gosh! Yeah, dude. So I I pulled it up. Um, you know, kind of tweaked the controller settings a little bit because that game was originally, you know, totally designed for a mouse and, yeah. and a keyboard. And uh, actually, was it even a mouse originally? But anyways, yeah, dude, and played it. And next thing I know, I was like seven levels in, uh, and I was like, oh, my gosh, I've, I like I got to stop playing this. Like, it's just, you know, <laughs> it's just one of those games where, like, you know, it's not – I'm playing, like, crappy polygon graphic games nowadays, but – uh, the you know the puzzles of the levels of you know the progressions it was really fun level design it's really satisfying gameplay even with the weapons um, yeah and uh, you know I mean you know what to expect when you're playing that kind of game and it brought me back because years ago I used to be I would I would hang out on bulletin boards all the time so I had you know my my uh, 9600 baud modem and I was dialing into bulletin boards and I was playing uh, Doom with friends and we were playing descent a lot on those bulletin boards and i remember in we were on the bulletin board in a in kind of a chat channel uh one one night and this guy comes on is like hey we see that you guys you know you guys play a lot of doom we're wondering if you want to try out this new game we're making and we were like yeah sure whatever so you know he posted it to the bulletin board or uploaded it to the bulletin board 
and we all downloaded it. So like you know, like an hour and a half later, when we all downloaded this, you know, but the, sixteen the, megabytes right, later, <laughs> right, right. <laughs> uh, we got on, we loaded this game in this room, and it was literally just a square room, and you had this polygon in front of you, and you just ran around shooting each other with this fake shotgun, and it was <laughs> it was a freaking beta test of Quake. We oh, beta tested hilarious. Quake on this bulletin board. Oh, and then, wow. you know, like a couple months, well, actually it was several months later, when the actual Quake game came out, we were all playing it, and we were like, wait a minute, this this gun feels really familiar. Like, these movements feel really familiar. And we were like, holy crap, we all beta tested Quake. That's too <laughs> funny. Yeah, it was really like, it was really fun. Back before they had, like, professional game testers. Yeah, you know? yeah. So, it was, it was like, really hey, cool. We'll get these guys off this bulletin board. That'll be good enough. <laughs> <laughs> right. Anyways, so that was uh, that was the first thing I did in the Geek with. The other thing is uh, my brother had his birthday um, this month, and we got together, and he says, I want to play some games. I said, all right, let's play some games, and and came over, and we played Scythe with, with uh, oh, nice. him and some friends. So it's only the second time I played the game. The first time I played it was at uh, – what was the name of that convention we went to? Catacomb. Catacomb. Yeah, yeah. Catacomb. Jinx. And, <laughs> and uh, I think on that one we played with, like – a full table with like an yeah. expansion yep yeah. or something and i remember it took a long time to play well this this time it, it still took a long time to play but it was a lot more we didn't play with any expansions it was a lot more engaging we played with let's see uh one two three four five five of us and i still did not like i i really like the game but um it has a complex player board that you really kind of have to pay attention yeah. to and um it takes you a while to get your engine going unless you like have played that game a ton. And only the second time I played it, you know, I felt like I was really starting out slow. Like I barely expanded beyond my initial starting territories. It just took me forever to kind of get my engine going. Uh Um, uh, But then this guy next to me, like, you know, four turns in, he's like halfway across the board. He's like already fighting people. And I'm like, man, I really need to learn how to play this game. Uh, but I looked at the guy next to me, and he had—he wasn't expanding either. He was really just kind of the same as me. Well, the guy next to me who didn't expand like at all won the game. Oh, and this, the guy who like was all over the board the whole game came in last place. Oh, and, he, ex- he so, overextended, huh? Yep, he overextended. And uh, anyways, fun game. Um, I want to play it some more. It's one of those where like I feel like you've really got to play it a few times to learn how to work your player board mechanic. And kind yeah. of take advantage of all the of different it, conversions and what are the efficiencies. Yeah, I, I put it on my phone thinking I would just play it in my spare time and master it, and that didn't happen. It didn't happen. <laughs> yeah, there's so I'll tell you what's really cool about it is it's it has a very you know um, not very but it does have a little bit of an asymmetric feel because each player's each player's board is slightly different. Like, yeah. right. you know, when you take a turn, there's pretty much two things you do on your turn. There's like the top part of there's these columns on your player board, and you pick a column, and that's your turn. And um, there's a top part of that column and a bottom part, so there's two things you're going to be doing. And every player's top and bottoms are different. Right. So if I do, like, move and harvest resources um, or move and promote, um, another player's move will not be attached to promote. Their move will be attached to, like, build. Right. So uh, so it's it's... It makes it a little interesting because everyone's doing things a little like they're forced to do things a little bit differently than each other, um, even if everyone's trying to move around the board. And uh, I, I really like that. Um, it makes it very 
you know, very, um, uh, a little bit asymmetric, but very interesting. And you also mm-hmm. get bonuses. You know, you can set yourself up so that if anyone does a move turn, then I'll get, like, a coin just for everybody moving. Right. And um, and so you can kind of pay attention to the people around you and say, well, that guy looks like he's going to, he's going to be building probably a lot uh, soon. So I'm going to do whatever I need to do so that I get more resources when he builds. Um, so there's several different ways to play the game. So love the game. Uh, it looks beautiful, right? Yeah. It's like a World War One-ish kind of steampunk mech yeah. game feel. So gorgeous game um and uh the turns really don't take that long once you get into it once everyone knows what they're doing so really want to play the game really enjoy it recommend you give it a shot if you like um a little bit of worker placement a little bit of uh uh, strategy and uh you know one of those games that you can play where you don't have to fight if you don't want to uh, but it's really really an interesting interesting take on kind of the 4x expansion uh, so that was my Geek Week. Very good. Yeah. Uh, sounds awesome. I remember playing Scythe, and I think I won that game at a Catacon. And I think <laughs> probably. I, probably. If it's the first time you played it, you probably won it. That yeah, I think it always. was. Exactly. So. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, uh, yeah, played it. Um, and um, I just remember thinking, like, halfway through, oh, I get this now. Do you know what I mean? Like, it, it took yeah. me, like, half a game to be like, wait, I, I feel like I've got 80 different things I could be doing. And then, like, all of a sudden it clicked. I'm like, this is my pathway to win. This you know, is what based I on, to do. Based on my cards and my placement and stuff like that. So yeah. it's a so great one game. So pe- one piece of advice, if someone does play that game and you just don't know what to focus on, if anything, and you really want to play it to win it, focus on um, the heart, which is like, uh, I don't remember what the word is, but it's it's the heart icon, which is, how much everybody likes you? Favorit- mm. Favoritism, I think, something like that. Anyways, oh, yeah. Popu- the, like it, a popularity. Popularity. Mechanic. That's it. Yeah. Popularity. Yeah. So your popularity at the end of the game applies a multiplier to all of your other scoring elements. Oh wow! So even if you don't really know what you're doing and you're kind of getting on the board here and there, if your popularity is really high, every <laughs> little thing you did will get an extra multiplier on it, which will help oh, you nice. stay on the scoreboard. So Just focus be on the that most popularity. Popular guy in school. That's all yeah. that matters. Yep, that's right. That's awesome. Sweet. Dan, how was your Geek Week, buddy? Pretty good. Um, yeah, yesterday got in a, a, a game of Outer Rim. We were gonna uh, Adam and I were going to get some reps in for X-Wing, and he's like, hey, do you know about this game Outer Rim? I'm like, I own it, <laughs> and I replaced all the cardboard pieces with uh, Wizards of the Coast Star Wars minis from the last decade. He's like, oh, so we can play that then? I'm like, yeah, sure. So I grabbed Sean. Of course, he's always down to game. And we had a we had a good time. And this time, I, for every time you buy one of the ships, like the Millennium Falcon or the Save Slave One, I had all of the, the large miniatures from X-Wing out. Which oh, nice. Pro- provide no game mechanical function at all. They're purely decoration. Yep. But so it you, looks good. It looks you, really you good. You buy a ship, and I plunk a big piece of plastic down in front, of you and you're like, yeah, this is my ship. So, and, uh, yeah, it was a good time. Um, awesome. it really, it's, sometimes it really helps to spend us uh, a little bit more time familiarizing yourself with the rules instead of worrying about the decorations of the game. <laughs> <laughs> so I learned that part. That's, of it. Great. That's okay. All's well that ends well. 
Um, I bought more games. Um, one of the companies that I've never bought anything for, they had like an 80% sale at one of my favorite online retailers. And I just bought three fat games totally randomly, which meant they all showed up in a big box. And I spent a lot of time punching out and organizing tokens to games I've never played and trying to get all those organized. But I'm a big fan. These were some CMON games. And let me tell you, I like the way CMON, remember they come from cool miniature or not, gives you miniature storage. Even lightweight, yeah. very basic miniature storage goes a long, long way because <clears throat> some of the other game companies will give you a whole bunch of minis <laughs> and then they just sit in a pile in the box. Yeah. And, um, and their yeah. miniatures are gorgeous. Like they're yeah. they're really good. I mean, for the, I think what'd you get? You got the Green Horde Zombie Side, right? Uh, green Zombie Side Green Horde. Oh, I, got, I love that game. I got Rise of Moloch, and I got a seventy-five dollar game that they had on sale for fifteen bucks. What? Called Yes, I know. Called Gang Rush, which is, it's a cardboard, it's a punch cardboard um, terrain of a bridge, and you're all driving getaway cars after a robbery. And yeah, so you're all you're cool. all trying that sounds to awesome. Yeah. And so the you know, it doesn't have as many minis. It has, you know, little plastic cars that look very paintable, of course. Um, but there's a lot of punch board terrain too, like a lot of punch board terrain. Like you can put like crates and boxes down to thwart your uh, fellow opponent. So anyway, uh, we're gonna play some games that we've never played before, maybe do some reviews and maybe have conversations about, hey, is it better to get the perfect game and to overspend? Or is it to be a little bit of a, um, a miser? It's a little bit of a skin flint. And instead of, you know, buying one $100 game, buy two $50 games. And, and, and that's not exactly what you would have gotten otherwise. So, so we're basically going to figure out if Dan wasted money. Yes, yes. Uh, yeah, it, which, you know what? Uh, one of these big, fat, giant Seamon C- games at 50 bucks is a very different proposition than $100. So, oh, yeah. Um, anyway, I've already bought one expansion for The Rise of Moloch. It's not even one that I wanted, but it was the hardest one to find. <laughs> nice. <laughs> very good. I'm yeah. really interested in that game. I remember seeing that come out a few years ago and being like, this looks pretty cool. It's got like a real steampunky feel, right? Yeah, it's steampunk, it's science, it's magic, it's London in the 1880s, it's zombies, it's horror. It's yeah. got a lot of stuff going on. And so when when we break that one out, I thought we, w- if we're lucky, we might break it out and record it for the podcast or play it once and then play it again and record that for the podcast right. so we don't look so stupid. <laughs> <laughs> that's but, probably a fair um, idea. <laughs> uh, but anyway, that that's one I've already picked up uh, one of the one of the expansions for. So I'm excited to uh, give it a whirl and have it be a thing where I have to go drop money to get three more expansions. <laughs> So, I like it. I that like was, it. And, and let me say this. This is just an aside. I know in the games workshop and a lot of the heavy-duty warfare mini world, you know, good plastic painted terrain is what is expected. I'm going to give a shout-out to punchboard cardboard terrain because let me tell you what. First of all, it's the exact right color. It's printed perfectly. Yes, they're very rigid and square and cubish, but you can put stuff together really fast. Yeah. Or you can put flat bottoms like the just just the areas where you're walking through in Rise of Moloch are beautifully painted. They're gorgeous painted. So gorgeously painted. So I have a soft spot for the immediate 
coolness and fun of a punchboard terrain. And I've bought different punchboard terrains over time. Uh, Wizards of the Coast used to sell 3D punchboard terrain for D&D, and I bought a couple of those sets on sale when they were getting rid of them, of course. This is my pattern here today. But, um, you know, not every piece of terrain needs to be perfectly airbrushed, you know. Um, You can take a punchboard, pop it out, and, you know, in a matter of mere minutes have some fun terrain to make a two-dimensional game feel more 3D. So I give a bit of a shout-out to my to my cardboard uh, slumming brethren there. I'm there excited go. to play these games. No lie. Yeah, we got to just – it's a calendaring problem. We just got to get them on the yeah. calendar. Well, we're going to do it. It's going right. to be awesome. So cool. very good. Uh, well, for my Geek Week, uh, the big thing that happened was that I ended up finish uh, – I finished painting – my cruel boys which was the orcs from the half of the dominion box that i got back in uh june so i finally i had them built forever and i finally like over the um holiday break i said i need to start painting these because i wanted to start using them for Warcry, and um so i got them started like i don't know a couple days before we played Warcry. um they're like in between christmas and new year's and uh, then just worked on them and got them all done. And I'm really happy with how they turned out. They look very kind of swampy, grimy, you know. Um, I would I would call them uh, grim dark because they are kind of swampy, grimy, you know. But um, yeah, I don't know. They look good. I like them. I um, I ended up like the the patterns that that come in the book for the cruel boys for the shields are either red, yellow, or this kind of, um, kind of, uh, dark, um, turquoise blue type of thing. And I said, I don't want to like put them towards any one of the clans that are already there. So I gave them orange shields and then pop the color with a little bit of purple. Um, so I thought that that looked pretty good, you know? So now they, anyway. now they can be your clan. Now they can be my clan. I can name them whatever I want. The stinky, cruel boys. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? So, yeah. So, uh, finish that up. And uh, then last Saturday night, we had our D&D session. We are wrapping up the Rime of the Frost Maiden. We've probably got oh, three sessions at this point, I'm thinking. Yeah, think it's so? going to be three. Yeah, yeah it's going to be about three sessions. So, uh, maybe. It could be two. It could be two. Like, It'll probably be three how- the way we role play. Yeah, exactly. And you know what was funny is um, we had a, a moment where you guys uh, walked into this cave, right? And um, you killed these flaming skull things and didn't realize that they uh, regenerated after an hour. Mm-hmm. And you're like, okay, well, we killed these guys. Let's take a short rest right here where all the remains of these skulls are. Yeah. So right in the middle of your short rest, they popped back up. And you're like, oh, crap. Here we well, go. Well, to be, to be <laughs> fair, we did try some tried and true lay a spirit to rest. You approach, did. right? We in tried fact, to burn the bones and the bot, you know, the left. Yeah, it just didn't work. In fact, I think uh, our friend Nick even said uh, we're going to channel Winchester the Winchester it. brothers. <laughs> yeah, we're going to Winchester it. Exactly. So um, you did do it, but it uh, it very clearly stated on their stat sheet that they um, regenerated. Yeah, no matter fairly what clearly stated. Ignore any creative juices yep. that the players may apply to this situation. One hundred percent. One hundred percent. Exactly. Although uh, uh, I think uh, our buddy Nick figured it out really quickly. He's like, I'm dousing them with holy water this time. Yeah, that, that was it. that was actually smart of him. I was yeah. ready to just put them in the lockbox and uh, just throw it down the tavern. 
That would have been awesome. I I kind of I kind of like that idea too. I, Either way, I we got through with it. it. Yeah, but uh, yeah, we had a good time, and uh, I think I think uh, my other favorite part is that there's something wrong with one of our buddies' characters, in that he goes berserk uh, in these battles, and um, there's been several times that the fight's over, but the fight is not over. You guys have got to like fight him now, and he's uh <laughs> he's not. He is not. He's a Goliath, so it's not like he's not hitting hard or anything. Take you a know? breather, dude. Take a breather. Yeah, it's pretty funny. Like nice. they're trying to calm him down, and he's like, "Rah, rah." So it's pretty great. He's obviously got a curse on him, so you know, good times, good times. So yeah, that was that's pretty much my geek week. I did a whole bunch of prep though for our topic today so i'm gonna count that as my geek week but i'll get into that when we talk about the main topic so yeah so that brings us now to the news welcome to tabletop and beyond news that was a good intro this time dan i try Mm -hmm. try. Mm -hmm. i'm trying to get get back into my groove trying to get my groove on you want me to make you an intro? I can make you an intro. Yeah. Yeah, you should do that. I would be down for that. <laughs> Something very, very, uh, you know, epic and stilted like I'm about to uh, shout propaganda. Yeah. And tell all of my listeners who don't agree with me that they're idiots. All so right. basically any cable news network, right. any of them. Which is right. why I'm a cable. Uh, I'm a cord cutter. I haven't paid for that stuff <laughs> right? in a long old time. Yeah. All right. Our first, we love checking Kickstarter for wild and crazy things. And we don't report on every Kickstarter because there's too many to report on. But if you're of a religious persuasion, there is the Adventurer's Guide to the Bible for 5th edition (laughs) is up for now. They've raised $48,000, beating their $5,500 goal by quite a bit. Uh, this particular uh, campaign is a it, it builds itself as a fifth edition a fifth edition campaign setting with new rule options for players and GMs and a, and a full adventure characters for levels one to ten and it is uh, designed to use uh, biblical era at about in in the first century AD not just uh, religious places but like the babylonian hanging gardens and other things like that so Hmm. anyway if you've uh, always wanted to role play some scripture (laughs) one of the reasons i found this really funny is because you know there was a huge you know religious backlash against dungeons and dragons Mm -hmm. right in the 1980s and i find it like crazy hysterical that this kickstarter has you know um, essentially earned ten times its funding funding goal um, because religious people want to spend money on this uh, on this book. So I saw somebody post this in um, a Facebook group I was in, and the comments were a dumpster fire. I'm oh, just no. going to throw that. Out. Oh yeah, <laughs> they were a dumpster. Like one guy like kicked it all off, and I think he was just trolling. But he goes. So if I play a warlock, is somebody going to burn me for witchcraft? (laughs) (laughs) Basically, yeah, yeah, that would be the trick. 
So there's a, you know, there's a lot of like, well, I, you know, I'm an atheist and I'm offended because of this. And someone's like, well, I'm a Christian and I'm offended because of the same thing. And you're like, ow, how yeah. like, yeah. so, you know, yeah, it was but, pretty, pretty interesting. Uh, see, you can be uh, a giant like, uh, you know, a Goliath. That's a new, you know, species. You can be a, a barbarian, the path of the Nazarite. You can be a magi. Which is a you can wizard. be a Samaritan. <laughs> Samaritan. You can help people all the time. That's right. Or just live in squalor. You could be, be a druid of the circle of the Baptist. Man. Oh, okay. Nice. nice. Bard, the College of the Psalms. Yes. I'll be from Nineveh. So <laughs> right. I just want all of our kids to know that uh, if you if your parents don't want you playing D&D because it looks like devil worship, get this book. Just put it on the shelf. You don't there have you to go. play it. Just get the book and say, "Look, right. no, we're playing. We're, we're in the Bible." Um, our next. <laughs> well, I feel like we could talk about this one for a really long time. A really long. But time. let's move on. Let's move on. No, it's a 350-page book, and it. Looks I cannot like believe it's that long. It's almost it's... as long as the freaking Bible itself. <laughs> <laughs> if you, uh, you can get. Um, <laughs> Let's see what's what's the hardcover. I think the hardcover is thirty nine dollars for the hardcover bundle. Whoa, 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 whoa! Hold on, hold on, Dan. You yeah. teach a religious institute <laughs> class, don't you? <laughs> I, do. I, I think you need to get this level. now. Yeah, I think you yeah. need to get this now and play with your class. Oh man! So uh, is this? Is this? Uh, oh, sorry. Quick question: Is this covering New Testament time frame? I think you said it. I think it's New Testament. Frame? It's one thousand okay. AD, but. It oh, seems yeah. re- I've Ooh. I've looked over the Kickstarter. It looks really fuzzy, wuzzy. It looks like you could roll it further yeah. and back. However, oh, you, you said one thousand AD. Sorry, That's what did I mean? I meant one hundred AD. What did I say? Okay, one hundred AD. First century, first century AD, which is, if you watch the video, it's like oh, yeah. three three magi have disappeared looking for a messiah. What? So that's you know that's probably smart of them to place it after. Um, you know, after Christ's reign uh, or his uh, his ministry, right? Because no, you could it's right probably before. get in some. No, Christ was thirty A.D., wasn't it? Yeah, but th- oh, this, yeah, I think yeah. you can pick. This pretty is one hundred anywhere. No, no, no. Yeah, I was just like saying one if, A.D. Oh, yeah. I thought you said one hundred. Yeah. Well, okay. it's the I first century. I was just reading their blurb, which meant that's their. All right, so they're they're opening the, the door. Century. Yeah, they're opening the door for a lot of flaming. Yeah, well, who, so, ca- who cares? They, I, their Kickstarter's funded. No, They're going to print the book. It's, They're going to send it out. And great. Who cares? You know. Now all the kids at Liberty University can play D and D finally. <laughs> 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 so, so I honestly, guys, I don't even want to play in the first century AD. I would rather play in the time when the uh, the Hebrew people were fighting. The kingdom of Judah was fighting the Assyrians. And you know the king of uh, Ju- the kingdom of Judah didn't stab the arrow in the ground hard enough yeah. to th- have the Lord destroy the Assyrians. So then they were cursed and scattered. Wow. That's the time frame I want to play in, where like you yeah. don't stab enough, you're weak. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> or like God gets mad because when he sent uh, <laughs> when he sent. Uh, Saul to go wipe out a nation. He didn't kill just about everything. <laughs> he only right. killed right, almost right. everything. Almost yeah. everything. Right. Yep. And how dare you? Yeah. I said 
everything. Everything. He's like, but I kept a couple of sheep. It's like, you can't like, make nope. money off this deal, bud. You can't skim off the top. Anyway, long, <laughs> we won't get into this. We don't want to alienate any of our I think it's going to be good. It's going to be interesting. Um, but uh, I'll tell you what, if any of our if any of our listeners have a hard time playing D&D because of... Um, you know, certain cultural opinions about D&D, those could be quickly reversed in just one Kickstarter. Yeah, you can sacralize the Bible. <laughs> Mommy, I'm playing the Roman centurion. <laughs> <laughs> I think when we pick up these dice, it's kind of like we're casting lots. Oh, <laughs> boy. He went there. He okay. went there. All, All right. right, let's move on. All right, we're going to get I out had of to. this. I had to. I had to. <laughs> Sunday school is over. <laughs> Uh, we just lost ten percent of our listeners. I know. Come back, please. So we're down to one. Okay. <laughs> right. More. We'll, we'll... <laughs> our next item of news is uh, our one of our favorite series as a that we've commented on many times on the show. The Expanse ran their uh, series finale, Babylon's Ashes, a few weeks back. So they have gone. They've done six seasons. Um, half of those were on Amazon. Amazon only. After it got canceled off the Sci-Fi Channel, and uh, I, I, I thought they were still going to do more episodes because they left that finale open to do lots more things. And Ooh, they, yeah. They have filmed kind. They've filmed six of the nine books. There are three more books that they could go back to, if if Amazon, you know, finally put two nickels together because they have a hard time co- coming up with money. You know, Amazon. They're a mom and pop operation, <laughs> right? You know, they so had, they had to just spend you know thirty billion dollars on Lord of the Rings. So, so there was a lot that was just like, so we're just not going to talk about this, like you know, we don't talk about Bruno. No, <laughs> no, no, my no. kids are saying that all the time. Stop <laughs> it. But there's just like I'm sitting here going like, so we're just not going to talk about this kid that got like resurrected, like what? Yes. You yes. know, and, and, you know, like, there's just, like, so many things that you're just, like, so, okay, like. Yeah, that was a spoiler. That's how, one. that's how some, yeah, it was a little <laughs> bit. Like, but it's, like, okay, so, like, this is how, like, the big baddie, like, ended, and you're just, like, and that's it? Like, okay. I mean, like, I get yeah. it, and yeah. they set it up, but you're just, like, and I guess that's that. Like, it was it supposed kinda... to be a 10-episode season. They cut it yeah. down to six episodes. Also, and the six episodes, I didn't. I'm going to be honest. I thought that this season was the weakest season of them all. I know, but it had. I a thought good, it. It had a good finale, though. Uh, it was okay finale. Um, yeah, it wasn't a. It wasn't a Game of Thrones finale, right? I mean, that's for uh, sure. That, that, you know, that, hey, and how much money got thrown at Game of Thrones? Yeah, that's true. So, but I, I don't know. I thought it was a slow season. Like, not a lot really happened, to be honest with you. Yeah. And. I felt like it needed it needed four more episodes to really tie up some of the storylines that they threw in there like randomly. So yeah, I don't know. I think that they're probably hoping that either Amazon or somebody else picks it up for the last few books that they can then tie it up. I heard rumors that there might be a movie, um, but who knows? Who knows? So a little bit of book spoilers. They don't have to film the books exactly, but the the next novel that has not been filmed picks up like 15 years later. Oh, interesting. Okay. So that's a, that, that, that changes a lot. So it's like, are we, what are we going to do? Do we, how do we handle aging with the actors? Yeah. You know, and the story, you need all the stuff, all, all of those little tidbits that they left in season six, you need all that stuff to figure out 
the next story. I haven't read those books, but I spoiled on myself on uh, Wikipedia because that's how I roll. Yeah. Um, so I get why that was the right stop. If they're not going to do any more, that's where they needed to stop it, in my opinion, while still yeah. leaving the, the door a crack open for um, more more episodes. But if we're mad that there's not enough content, that means it's a good show. Uh, yeah, definitely. And look, the the I thought that all the seasons are definitely worth watching. Like that was an amazing, uh, it was an amazing series, and uh, one, a sci-fi series that I thought was well needed. That we haven't had a really good sci-fi series in a while. Yeah, I mean, you know? if if you if you were missing Battlestar and and that kind yep. of feel, you'd need to go straight into the Expanse. Yeah, for sure. Um, and there's six and seasons listen, there for you. I binged Battlestar, if yeah. you remember. You plowed and, through at record. At, whew, and I struggled near the end. Yeah, struggled near the end. Well, but you, you weren't alone. Yeah, but uh, I did not feel the same way with The Expanse. I, I was hooked and drawn in, you know, especially the first couple seasons. I was really, like, um, really in it. Like the, um, who is it, Thomas Paine, who played the detective? Yeah, he was so good. He's yeah. so good. It yeah. was so good. So, yeah. really good stuff. Really good stuff. Excellent. Sad to sad to kind of see it go. I hope it does get picked up for more. Yeah, me too. And but if it doesn't, at least it has a satisfactory beginning, middle, and end. Yeah, I agree. Uh, our next news is also about television. Uh, Star Trek: Picard season two has an official trailer, and we get to see Whoopi Goldberg return as Guinan. We also see uh, John Delancey. Uh, return as Q, oh. um, and there will oh. be a Borg queen. So this is like the greatest hits of John Luke Picard. Yeah, no um, kidding. In one season, uh, I also heard rumors early on that both uh, Worf and Jordy LaForge will be coming back um, because they were conspicuously absent in the last series. So um, I hate spending money on Paramount Plus because I'm mad at him for a couple things, but. <laughs> TikTok. Once they once this thing goes out, I'm I'm there. There's also, it also is coming out right about the same time as um, uh, the Strange New Worlds, which is the Captain Pike Enterprise series. So oh. they'll get my money for that too. I'm just not watching Discovery. I'm just not watching Discovery. My my wife was really interested in watching Yellowstone. Oh yeah, um, which is a Paramount Plus thing. I mean, mm -hmm. it's on the network, right? So. Mm -hmm. We started watching that, but more importantly was the prequel series that started called 1883. Oh, and it's a and it's about um, the Dutton family, who's the subject of the Yellowstone series, how they moved from Tennessee to Montana, and so like they're crossing the plains and all this stuff. And it's, uh, you know, I, I I don't know about you guys, but I had family that crossed the plains, you know, in the mid 1800s. Um, and so it's kind of cool to, you know, see this in, in a series format. So, but that, yeah, sorry, that had nothing to do with anything other than you said Paramount Plus and it yeah. reminded me of that. <laughs> yeah. I'm, so I'm at the point where there's certain streaming services where I'm willing to not watch things when they come out anymore and let them uh -huh. just bank up and then pay for maybe mm -hmm. a month or a free yep. month to yep. a free month plus a regular month to watch all that stuff and then let it expire. Um, I know I have to do that with the Olympics and Peacock coming up. I've been informed we will be getting Peacock for the Olympics. Ah. And one of my daughters and I look at each other and go, oh, great, we can finish the office. <laughs> <laughs> nice. 
Um, getting out of television news, Gen Con announced their uh, 2022 regist- registration dates, batch prices, and vaccination and masking requirements. That's all on their website. Um, uh, starting Sunday, January 30th, which may or may not be around the time where this podcast airs. Who knows? Probably this might be right around that time. Um is when uh, noon Eastern on the 30th is when their badges will go on sale for 2022. A four-day badge is 125 bucks. Thursday and Friday are 65. Saturday is $80, but Sunday is conspicuously low at $16. The trade day, yeah. which is the Wednesday of the con, is 225 bucks. Um, so uh, there's Gen Con online only for free, and pop up Gen Con for five dollars if you're a local heir. If you don't want to go to Indianapolis, but want to do some fun gaming stuff in your local area, five bucks gets you into um, the pop-up venues that may be all around America. Oh, interesting. So as far as vaccination goes, there will be uh, mask requirements um, in all indoor spaces, and they'll be checking um, uh, for fully, they'll be checking for vaccination status, so. Yeah. Um, I think we've been talking about this since pretty much the whole life of the podcast, right? We've been talking about this a yep. lot. I think different events have matured on this subject, and there's a lot less hand wringing than there was in, in mm-hmm. uh, a year ago. That's year fair. Yep. Ago, so. yep. Um, and, uh, you know, it, it's one of those things that, like, who knows what the landscape looks like in six months? Do you know what I mean? So yeah. they have these requirements now, and you understand them. But and they do change, so you know, yeah. So who knows what tuned. happens? Yeah, and I, I, you know, I think it's pretty. At this point in time, here we are in January of 2022. It seems pretty logical that masking and vaccination cards is what it's going to take to show up to. Gen it's Con. just par for yeah. the course now. Yeah. Right. So. Um, yep. I hope you've got some cool masks and look, yeah, I'm, I, oh, I we'll th- probably see tons of cool masks. Hey, Man, I just want to be able to buy a bunch of cool masks. masks. I just want a Boba Fett helmet. That's all I want to wear. Okay. We need a Wayland enterprise mask. Oh, you're spoiling. You're spoiling the, ah, I know Wayland. You it's not, oh. it's not, yeah, that's right. It's not a spoiler, Dan. It's a foreshadow you're foreshadowing. <laughs> oh. And then when we bring it up later, it's a callback. That's right. Exactly. Big, big news in in video game world. Microsoft is buying Activision Blizzard for $68.7 billion. Billion. So we had a lot of conversation about this on our uh, Discord chat. I'm sure every Discord and every geek Reddit out there has been talking about this. So... All it, all it means is that if you're a Game Pass person, you just got a lot more games for nothing. Yeah. Which is yeah. great. Did you see Sony's response? No. Tell me. Their, their response was, I think their response was something along the lines of, we fully expect Microsoft to still honor the contracts that Activision has with us. Yeah. Yeah, why like not? That, that's their response. Like, yeah. yeah. I, I also saw another response, though, that was like, yeah, we're totally going to have a Games Pass competitor. <laughs> like one day, yeah, yeah, we totally yeah. are. So uh, just get ready, you're just run, get ready. Running out of companies to buy. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, <laughs> you know, this this was like a big topic of conversation in our Discord. So shout out to the Discord. Join us. The link is uh, on our Facebook page, by the way. Um, but uh, yeah, I think that like this put the gaming world like 
on notice. I mean, like everybody was talking about it. Like it, it was incredible. And in fact, I saw that there were some people, there was a news broadcast that was talking about antitrust issues in the gaming world now. You know, and I'm like, wow, like Uh this news caused so much. The SEC is going to come sniffing around. Exactly. And I wonder which companies will be paying for lobbyists to help uh, encourage certain (laughs) government officials to go do that. Yeah. Yeah, I don't. I don't think Microsoft uh, needs to blink an eye at that one. They probably already got an army of lobbyists <laughs> like, in Washington. It's like you know how many judgments yeah. against us in the EU we're paying off right now. Exactly. Not a big deal. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, I, I'm I'm excited about this. There's a lot of games out there that um, I think will make a lot of sense coming under the Game Pass umbrella, and uh, I think there's a lot of people that are just the the it's it's almost becoming too hard not to sign up for this games pass you know like it's almost like thanos saying i am inevitable it's you know and snapping his finger like you know yeah and (laughs) phil spencer is that guy right now you know well and they can they can mess it up by increasing the cost per per period of time like they could say well we have to pay for uh blizzard so we just jacked everybody up by x number of dollars and what that does is you know, economics is real and price elasticity is real. And they have to figure out exactly if they raise the price, do they end up losing money if they're considering it? If they're considering just bundling this all in at the existing price, they're basically kicking Sony in the teeth. Yeah, I don't think they're going to raise the price at all. I think what they're planning on is banking the increased subscriber base. Yeah. Yep. It is one of the most expensive monthly subscriptions that I pay for. I mean, by a lot. But, dude, do you remember? I don't know if you remember Gamefly. Gamefly was like 25 bucks a month when it, when it, it first came out. Mm. It was. Yeah. For two games a month. For two games. And and I want, to, I want you to think about this, too, right? Um, you of course, buy, Gamefly's not here anymore. You, so, first off, World of Warcraft right now is free to play for their base game. And you can buy the expansions. I don't see Microsoft getting away from that unless they want to provide some of the expansions for free, like as an incentive. Yeah. But so, but think about this: an expansion for World of Warcraft probably costs you what, like forty bucks, sixty bucks, or something like that. Well, that's fine. You provide that one that one thing in your subscription, and they're getting one hundred twenty dollars from me, um, or no more than that. They're you know uh, how much is uh, fifteen times twelve, right? It's one hundred eighty dollars for me a year. You know, and uh, I may play it. I may not play it. Like, you know, so I think I think their subscription models the way that the future is. We've talked about this a little bit. So um, I think they'll do just fine with it. And I don't think that they'll have to up their price very much. Yeah. And keep in mind that the rising generations, the things that they deem most important is control of their own lives and flexibility. And a subscription gives them a feeling of control. Yeah. Well, and and also, Jason, you, you alluded to this in the beginning of the podcast, the cl- number of cloud games that are coming up right now, mm-hmm. where you just pop it open and you're like, oh, I want to try that game, and I've got 20 minutes to kill, start it and play it immediately. You don't even have to wait for it to download, Yep. right? You play it immediately, and you're just like, wow, I'm in this game right now. Like, that level of freedom is incredible. Oh, yeah. Incredible. I tried, like, four games one night until I found one I liked. But then, I, you know, I'd spent about maybe 20, 15, 20 minutes on one and was like, this this wasn't what I thought it was. Or, you know, this, this yeah. has a feel that I'm interested in. And it's interesting, too. Like, because when you start up one of those games, you play it. If you play it for about 20 minutes, 
you'll get a little pop-up notification that says, hey, do you like this? Why don't you just go ahead and hold this button down and we'll install it for you. Right. It's like, yeah. oh, okay, just, you know, and then uh, and then just tell me when to get out of bed, tell me when to go to work, <laughs> tell me what buttons to push at work, and we'll just be done. <laughs> Thanks, Hal. I will do what yeah. you tell me to do. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, very good. Very good. Well, I got uh, just a couple things of uh, note to add to the news, Dan. Um, the first is that uh, one of our listeners, Josh, um, who just recently joined our Discord, uh, shout out to you, Josh. I know you've been listening to us for a while, and I'm glad you finally joined us. Um, he uh, let us know about Captain Con that is happening in the New England area on February 4th through 6th in Warwick, Rhode Island. Um, it actually looks a like a lot of fun. It looks a lot like the Acaticon um, that we went to, which is a little bit small and intimate, right? And uh, I'm looking at the badge prices right now. You can buy a badge. Uh, it's pr- it's got pretty much the same um, you know COVID policies as Gen Con vaccine vaccine uh, verification and masks, um, but uh, you can get the full Captain Con experience badge for one hundred and ten dollars, and that comes with your three day badge, fifteen bonus Captain Logs points. I don't know what those do do for you, but they sound interesting. Uh, a swag bag of all the convention merch, which includes a T shirt, coin, pins, a patch, etc. And early event registration, so that's a very reasonable price for three days of gaming. I, mm-hmm. I love small cons. I don't get to go to enough of them. That's largely has to do with wife points. So yeah, I, I think they're great. Um, if I was in that area, if I was in the New England area, I, I would, and I had the the flexibility, I would totally do this. This sounds wonderful. Yeah, like a Saturday only badge is only thirty dollars. So you know, I think that's awesome. So as long as we're pimping out uh, future events, there is a games tournament um, coming up it, called the uh, Cherokee Open. Um, oh, right. And the Cherokee Open has, um, you know, um, you know, games workshop games, uh, you know, kind of the kind of the the consistent array of the competitive games that are, that are being played right now they've got 40k um premium 40k champs uh age of sigmar star wars legion x-wing so um it's a really nice if you're into competitive gaming uh the location i just pulled up their website is i think is in north carolina <laughs> yeah uh, yeah it's in yeah. cherokee north carolina it's february mm-hmm. 25th 26 20. It's on a reservation. Seventh on the on the on the Cherokee reservation at a nice hotel that looks like the hotel has pretty nice prices and it looks like a great property, and uh, I'm really tempted to go. Uh, once again, that uh, has nothing to do with money or time. It has to do with what I can, uh, what my what stresses my marriage can absorb. So, <laughs> right. <laughs> but I would yeah. be there. So yeah. what what are the dates for that one again? That's um. February 25, 26, and 27. So it's at the end of February. So I think that would be an awesome con to go to. The only issue, I think, the reason why I have not heard about it before, I think, is that it is sandwiched between two major conventions, like the LVO that is happening, Uh I think, this weekend. uh, The Las Vegas Open is the LVO. And then Adepticon is the beginning of March. Well, if you, and so, if you look at it, this would be the one that you go to if you don't want to fly out to Las Vegas or fly to right. Chicago. Yep, exactly. So this is kind of like 
and it's put on by Frontline Gaming, which puts on LVO. Nice, nice. Yep. So um, it's at that level of quality. They make sure that the folks running the the events really know their stuff. Um, so we know the guys who are running the X-Wing Championships. Uh, I listen to the podcast of the guys who are running the LVO X-Wing um, Championships as well, and they're fantastic. That's the uh, – yeah. I've mentioned them before. They're the Fly Better podcast. That's um, Dune and I forget the other guy's name off the top of my head, and I apologize. It'll come to me later. But it's – all this stuff is – all these events are really good if you're into these games – they're a lot more fun. Um, it's great to see uh, tournaments opening up again. A lot of these competitive games are much less fun without regular tournaments, to be clear. so um, Definitely. they. I think that they inject a lot of lifeblood into the games because um, then the developers say, like, okay, they're interested, and then you end up getting, you know, new releases, you get new facts, you get, like, you know, like new things that kind of help keep the game living for for the people, so... I think I think they're great. I'm glad we're having tournaments again. Yep. Oh, I have a, I have a teeny tiny geek week. I forgot. Uh oh. Um, I my son and I watched in 4K, in Dolby Vision, the 1986 Transformers the movie. Mm-hmm. Oh wow! And, uh, in big sound, big 80s hair band rock. And he <laughs> loved it, and I loved it. I saw that movie in the theaters when I was like 11 or 12. And nice. he was nine years old. And so we, we popped that uh, that uh, uh, 4K Blu-ray in and, and just had a ball. So anyway. Yeah. And, and, and trust me, <laughs> some of those movies from that era don't hold up that well. And, and I, That's I, right. I, I liked how well it held up. I saw that uh, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles from 1989 was um, – on Netflix. Oh yeah, yeah. I wonder. I wonder yeah. how that one holds up now. <laughs> you know that that Transformers movie is one of my favorite uh, mem- all-time memories. And it was funny. I was at a buddy's house who has a little kid, um, little little kid, and uh, I had a picture of the uh, the Matrix of Leadership. Yes. And uh, I was I showed it to his kid. I was like, Hey, do you know what this is? He goes, Oh yeah, that's the Matrix of Leadership. <laughs> I was like, Oh my gosh, dude, you ha- you're the best dad ever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Jackson, my son, went on went on Amazon, and he's like, I got to find some of these awesome Transformers. He's really excited. He's like, I want to see Unicron. I want to see Ultra Magnus. I want to see all these you know, ones that came out in the movie. And because they did the 40-year the uh, anniversary about two years ago, everything on the market is all like aftermarket collector oh, stuff. Oh, nice. He's like, $200, $400, $300 for these Transformers. <laughs> really took the wind out of his sails to, to get back into Transformers. That's a lot of pennies, buddy. It's like, dude, we're, we're going to have to save up a long time for you to get your own, your own Unicron. Yeah. So anyway, thanks for letting me slide that Geek Weekend. I, That's I, all good. I, I, he and I, had a, it, it tickled me deeply, and I, I wanted to mention it. Well, thank you for the news, too, Dan. Uh, we had a lot of topics today because uh, there's a lot of stuff that came out, and it was, it was good to talk about them. Stuff is happening. Yes. So we are now talking about our main topic of the night, uh, which is the Alien franchise, as uh, we had mentioned in the beginning. Uh, you know, Jason and I, we were playing Alien the other night, Alien Fire Team. Fire Team, and, yep. Yeah, and we were talking about just like how awesome of a game that is. And we'll talk. We'll get in a little bit more depth about the game, but you know the look and the feel, and um, you know I told him I said it's funny because I watched Alien like 
I think two nights prior randomly because I'm just like, oh man, I I can't remember the last time I saw it. And uh, it's funny because as I watched Alien, I realized I have never seen this movie all the way through. Like I'd never seen it all the way through. I'd seen bits and pieces of it, but then a lot of memories of it were like, oh, uh, this must have been two. So then after we, we got done playing, um, we, we decided it, while we were playing that we wanted to talk about you know, this alien franchise and its impact on sci-fi because it really did have a big impact. But um, as I watched Aliens, I realized I had not seen that movie all the way through either, you know? And I'm like, wait, what is happening? Are and you of kidding? Course, I'm dead serious. Oh. And, and I'm sitting Well, he also like, hasn't seen Ice Pirates. I have not seen Ice Pirates. Yeah. You well, know, and that, here's one, that one's thing. missable a little bit. That's true. Comparatively, comparatively. <laughs> Listen, here's the sad thing, guys. I pride myself on seeing a lot of these movies, and very obscure movies, too, like Ice Pirates, you know, and <laughs> quoting them regularly, and I just haven't, and I feel lame. But anyway, I'm glad I have now seen, um, I have seen Alien, Aliens, Alien 3, I have seen uh, Prometheus and Alien Covenant, all pretty much within the last week. Oh my gosh, this is yeah. all yeah. in your short-term memory. Oh, it is fresh. So I so, saw Aliens three in the theater yeah. the night it came out, because when I lived in Las Vegas, uh, some of the hotels that were putting in movie theaters would put in a separate box room at the back of the theater. You'd be separated from glass, and it'd have a fridge, and you guys could talk inside the room. And one of my buddies got us in to see Alien 3 in this uh -huh. box seat in the movie theater, and I'll never forget. It was the one time, of course, when we came out, everybody would, looked at us like we were weirdos sitting in the, the glass box. <laughs> uh, but uh, but we, we we all walked out of that movie and went, well, we wish that would have been better. <laughs> yeah, so we could talk about that. But, um, you know, I the, the, the main topic of this is, you know, it's not just us, like, talking about Alien um, in the franchise. Like, Alien, you know, when you go back and watch the movies, as I have, I was I was seeing echoes um, of Alien in Halo, in um, Warhammer 40K, in, you know, all of these other sci-fi genres that have come out. I mean, Mothership is an RPG that is ripped right out of the stories of Alien, right? And um, so, you know, it's got a quite a bit of a legacy. I would say, like, if Dune is like the Beatles, right? I would say like aliens, like the Rolling Stones, you know, where they they took a lot of inspiration from the sci-fi that that came before them, and they made it their own. And now you've got you know like bands today that are copying styles from the Rolling Stones, you know. So I would like, say uh, I would say I would adjust that just a little bit. Mm -hmm. This is me being super nerdy. I would say Foundation is the Beatles, but that's my two cents. I'll shut up. Foundation. Okay. All right. Fair enough. Yeah. Fair enough. Uh, yeah, I mean, but that, that really means that that Jupiter Ascending by the Wyckowski twins is Nickelback. <laughs> you know? I got to so, hit mute. I got to <laughs> mute. That hurt. You gotta... <laughs> uh, <laughs> that was good. I've been working. <laughs> okay, back. I've been working on that joke all day, guys. Oh, Have you really? Yeah, yeah, I was like, well, so what would be, like, because I was thinking bands, you know, because I was like, 
Well, if you know, if uh, if Alien is like Rolling Stones, I guess that makes 40k like Metallica, you know, because they kind of came after after them. And I was like, well, who would be Nickelback? And I'm like, Jupiter ascending, <laughs> totally. I, I sat through that whole thing, man. I know, and it sucked. Really? It was terrible. Yeah, it's bad. Oh, it's awful. I think there's there's some movies that are better if you just turn it on the French version and just watch it as like a pantomime. Or, yeah, or, I, mean, I don't. I don't understand why you guys watched. It. All I had to do was see the poster for that movie and be like, "Nope, skipping." I don't. Dude, know. it it wrote the coattails of the Matrix, so that's the problem, right? I was like, "Oh, the Wachowski twins." And Dude, it's okay. I, they've gone and they've been hell. sucking ever ever since the first movie. They. That's the thing. They're hyped <laughs> so, that they're one hyped good, yeah, one, one good, good Matrix movie, and the rest were made for DVD. Yeah, hundred I mean, percent. That's basically it, right? So yeah. I would recommend there are certain Star Wars movies you should put on the foreign language version you don't understand. They're better that way. And if you really can't seven do, through nine, if you really can't, it's exactly <laughs> you might find them more enjoyable. <laughs> if you're watching the prequels, especially episode two and three, I saw this video li- online. They're much more enjoyable if you imagine that Padme and Obi Wan are having sex sex off screen. Okay. So- <laughs> wow. Okay. All right. So let's get back to Alien. We might have to edit that part for our, for our ratings. So um, yeah. So look, the influence that we feel from Alien, I think, is out there. Uh, what I what I find interesting is that Ridley Scott did the first movie, and then James Cameron took over second movie. But then you had Ridley Scott come back to the franchise, especially for the newer ones, right, with uh, Prometheus and Covenant. Mm-hmm. And um, and I, what is interesting is that you have the feel that is consistent throughout the movies that uh, even the directors didn't mess up too much. Like, if you look at a Mission Impossible, um, you had different directors, and you're like, okay, well, Mission Impossible 2 was the worst one because of the director, you know? And then you had, like... Other ones that you're like, okay, well, that's the this certain director, and you could feel it. it same thing with James Bond, right? And I, so I thought you were going to do a J.J. Abrams jab oh, while you were on. MI. I don't. <laughs> so, so uh, let me make, let me yeah. let me say something about this. So, I think um, one of the things I really like about it, and uh, this was called out. I think Roger Ebert had said something about this, and I think you can see it as a quote on actually the Wikipedia page about this franchise. That one thing that made this uh, really hit home was the cast for the horror movie was older uh alien like everyone looked like seasoned people you know there were only like seven people in the cast of the original alien movie right right and they they all were like old people who had been in their careers for a long time besides um besides a couple that were young you know they were like seasoned spacers um, yeah, for sure. <clears throat> versus, you know, other horror movies all had the unusually young girls and boys, right? The, uh, that um, were getting themselves into trouble. The and, Jamie Lee Curtis is in the Halloween, right? The, right. <clears throat> yeah. And so. it's the same thing with Alien, and then it becomes believable. And then when you get to Aliens, you know, the the people who are young are the Marines, and that makes sense because typically, you know, your armed forces they there are early in their in their lives and their careers with some seasoned. Yep. Uh, and then when you get to Aliens three, you know you're on what is it one Fury one six one I think is the yeah. prison prison yep. uh, planet. Um, they're they're old dudes that have been yeah. there for a long time. Like right. you don't have the standard like horror like young cast, young sexy looking people in this. It's all very all the all the cast 
and uh, the characters are very relatable to us as we're watching. We can see you our know, own flaws and we can see our own selves in them. Yeah, it's really interesting because um, as I was watching Aliens, uh, you know, the sergeant pops out and he's, you know, this black guy smoking a cigar with the kind of the Marine Corps hat. And I'm like, that's Sergeant Johnson from Halo. Like one for one. <laughs> Yeah. One for one, stolen, you know what I mean, and, and like totally, t- totally took him there. And there's a great thing when you, if you have the "I would have been your daddy" skull turned on on the on the Halo original one. There's a point where you got some Marines like going with you, and they're just like, "Game over, man, game over." Oh, you yeah. know, they say and that so, all the time. Exactly. So you know, you've got these Space Marines that are just like, I mean, one for one with the Alien franchise. And so, I think your point, your point is great there, right? Like you had. Uh, armed forces that look like they should have been armed force, like absolutely the, the right age, you know, the right cat. So the casting, yeah. I think across the board, the casting in the Prometheus and Covenant also, I thought was very good. I think uh, so too. I think in Prometheus and Covenant, they did start to pull the age back a little bit yeah. into more of that kind of young, younger, you know, early scientist career, yeah, uh, explorer feel. But I think it was okay. I think. It, it was right for the movie. You know, it worked for me because they were, well, maybe not the scientists, maybe not Prometheus as much, but um, Covenant worked for me because you were sending these guys out as a colony, right? Yeah, they were so colonists. You wanted, yep. you wanted younger, healthier people to go out and be this colony uh, place. And I got to say, Michael Fassbender in those two as David was incredible. Oh, he's always been great in that role. He's so good. I mean, you know, creepy Michael Fassbender. Creepy android. So creepy. Yeah. And, and, I mean, he's also, you know, he's Magneto in the X-Men franchise. And he's he's all over the place doing stuff. But in this role, I, I was like, this dude should have been nominated for an Academy Award. Like, seriously. Like, he was so good as the creepy egomaniac android. You know? He's great. Yeah. So, I think... Um... You know, one one thing we need to decide before we go too further into this is whether or not this is going to be a spoiler episode. Oh, it has to be. I'm sorry, it guys. It has to be. Yeah. It has to be. Like, <laughs> I, if we're spoiling a show, look, I, I guess it's, I got. This I guess franchise I would have been, spoiled. been around for a while now. I, I guess I would have been spoiled, right? Like, if I hadn't really watched the movies again. But, yeah. you know, it's well, okay. It's, That's my We fault. were playing uh, <laughs> Alien Fire Team. And, um, you know, the first story of that game, there's like four stories that have been released so far. The first story of that game, it just has a very much an Aliens, I'll say the second movie, feel to it. Uh, Very, very good aesthetic. They did such a good job with the art in that game, making it feel like you are in that movie kind of playing. And I kept biting my tongue because the the, the stories that follow touch on different things that you learn from the different movies and um as you get further into that game and and this is where maybe i won't spoil that game because that is a fairly recent game but you you it's going to pay homage to the entire franchise very in that game which is going to be it's going to be really exciting when we get to play that with you oh very good i'm excited now so all right so let's get to the original alien you talked about the older cast um giving that convincing aesthetic but um, it was a little bit of a different sci-fi movie. I mean, you kind of had Space Odyssey, uh, you know, 2000 come out that was sort of a space horror because of, like, creepy Hal, right? Uh, but this was a space horror, but a little bit of a different genre, don't you think? So there's a bit of a funny story about this. Star Wars came out and blew the doors off of everything. 
and mm-hmm. the studio that greenlit Alien had only one script in development that had a spaceship in it, and it was Alien. Oh, that's too funny. And then they're funny. like, oh, no, what what is this going to be like? And the creators were like, we're going to make Texas Chainsaw Massacre in a spaceship. And they're like, do it. That sounds awesome. <laughs> mm. <laughs> that's great. Yeah, it, it really is. I mean, the original Alien is basically a haunted house in a spaceship. Yeah. That's what it is. Uh, which, and it, you know, it really is different. Obviously, we know this from Star Wars. It's... Um, it's it's different from you know Dune and all that other sci-fi. It it is it has a different uh, feel all around, and I think that um, it, they created this enemy in it that was uh, you know nearly indestructible. I mean, you get through almost the entire movie, and you're just like, you know what, just freaking run, just run. There's no <laughs> way you can stop this thing. I mean, just the face hugger in there was nearly indestructible right they cut it open and like the acid ate through the ship yeah you know and you're like oh gosh you're like, like man this is yeah no way i remember <laughs> you know? being like, a little kid knowing you a- kill it and it still kills you i remember yeah, right? knowing about that and seeing clips of it and it terrorized me the yeah face hugger oh yeah, oh, yeah. Uh, definitely uh nightmares of those face huggers uh, for so sure. so an interesting kind of little tidbit i know that um um Part of the inspiration for the face hugger and the you know the aliens bursting out of the chest comes from the spider wasp um, that uh, you can find them in like southwest uh, United States, and this wasp stings these big tarantulas, and then it'll eat off its legs, and lay its babies inside of it. So the spider's alive while these babies are gestating, and then they burst out of the abdomen and eat their way out essentially. So um, they took that inspiration for it and, you know, but the idea of a face hugger and the way that it like jams, it's like, you know, it's, it's, it's thing down your throat feels like such a violation too. <laughs> you know what quote, I mean? Thing down yeah, your throat. I don't know. Yeah. Like, I mean, what is that? A prehensile uh, appendage? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> so Oy. yeah, I mean, it's such a, it's like such a violation and the the um the tense feeling that they did they did such a good job of building that up like for example when um ripley started working on decoding the message after they're out there and she's like uh this is a warning not like we should stay away not like come help us (laughs) and just as that happened sure enough they're like oh we got a problem this thing's attached to our guy's face and it's like oh great Oh, great. You know, so um, Mm. it was just great, great writing, great timing. You know, with that ghost story aspects, that haunted house, like they built the tension, they let it go a little bit. They built it up, they let it go a little bit. You know, Uh, Jonesy the cat provided some nice, like, warning signs, you know, (laughs) where you're like, this is not going to be good. So, yeah, it was really good. Yeah, some trivia, which probably most people know by now, but you know, maybe not if you haven't paid too much attention to the franchise. Is the the iconic chest burst scene? You know, the actors knew that the alien was going to burst out of the chest. They knew what it was going to feel like, but they didn't. the The director didn't tell them, you know, about all of the blood and visceral that was going to pop out at the same time intentionally. 
So when they were all holding holding the dude down and that thing burst out and just like tons of like, you know, pumps were pumping fluid all over the place and it was splattering all over them. Like the shock you see captured on screen was actual shock from the actors. So it's it's authentic surprise and shock captured on film in that in that scene, which really kind of drives it home when you know that and you watch that scene over and over again. My the, my favorite part was when he jumps out and does the song. He starts singing, "Hello, mother." Oh, that's that's spaceballs. Oh, sorry, sorry, wrong move. Sorry, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Interestingly, yeah. I saw that movie before I saw Alien. <laughs> Me too. The first time, and I was so. like, "What is happening? Here? What is, what's going on yeah. here? What is this?" Hello, my darling. You know they use the same baby. guy. That's the same actor. Oh yeah, yeah. Not again. <laughs> Not again. <laughs> so great. So great. Yeah. Um. You know, one of the biggest turns for me in the show, because, again, I had not seen it the whole way through, was when Ripley went into Mother, right, and been like, what the crap, Mother? Like, why didn't we, like, why did we ignore, ignore you know, quarantine protocols? Why, like, why is this happening? And it's like, oh, here's the actual mission. You need to bring it back, mm-hmm. you know, to the company's interested in it. And, yeah. um and so it's at that point, and what's interesting is they set up with that simple line right there, right? Like, company orders you to bring it back, uh, and crew is expendable, right? <laughs> when, um, with that little line right there, they set up the um, the Wayland yutani Corporation as really an archetype of the evil megacorp, mm-hmm. you know? Um and obviously that that is played throughout the entire franchise uh throughout the entire franchise yeah it is it's and it's used all over um all over uh science fiction now i mean you see wayland you'll see references to wayland in video games that are unrelated to aliens uh yep. just everywhere and just there's so many companies out. out there that have named themselves wayland yutani something like I yeah. think there's a Wayland Yutani um, uh, uh, terrain company that you can buy miniature 40k terrain from, oh, that's and the funny. name of the company is Wayland Yutani Terrain. Nice, nice. I was literally at church yesterday, and one of the guys there was wearing a Wayland Yutani jacket. Yep. And I'm like, oh my gosh. Building well, better worlds. Yeah, and the funny thing, the funny thing is. Had I not just watched the movies, like I would, I would. You wouldn't have caught like, it. I thought I'm it like, was. Oh, just hey, Wu Tang. Yeah, I. Well, it looked like a work jacket, like a like a blue collar worker would wear, you know. Yeah, and I would have thought was. it was like, okay, it was just a work jacket. So. I love how yeah. Wayland jumps into other uh, sci-fi universe stuff. It's so great to see Wayland in like Blade Runner and stuff like that. So. Kind yeah, of it's in uh, Netrunner as well. Yeah. It's one of the corps you can play. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So good. You know what's funny is I tried to look up, um, because you see it everywhere, it's like, is there some, like, did they not copyright it? Like, And I can't find anything very easily through my, you know, 15-minute Google search Yeah. yeah. Uh, on it. I know it was trademarked at one point, but um, I don't know, like, it seems like people are getting away with just kind of doing whatever they want with it, so it's interesting. Gotta defend your copyrights, people. Yeah. So the the other big surprise for me, and I, I feel so embarrassed saying this, but I'm just going to get it out there. I did not know Ash was an android until he started oozing milky substance. Well, you're not supposed crazy. to. You're I know, exactly. To. But I feel like I at this point in my life, I probably should have known that he was a thing. And I want to throw this out there, too. Um, when we played Mothership, 
and you're like, oh yeah, you've got like milky white stuff. I'm like, okay, cool. That's just part of an Android. Like I did not know that. Yeah, you get it now. I get it now. I get it now. So (laughs) I I think that that's a big thing too. Cause like you got star Wars, right? That's like, um, the androids there are like C3PO and R2D2, which are literal robots helping them out, right? Like uh, nobody's like an android android. Yeah, these are biomechanical uh, technology. Yeah. And uh, it's interesting to see how the franchise has used them as they went along, right? So you had Ash that was pretty wooden. Um, I mean, he just seemed like a very reserved English guy. You know what I mean? Until you're like, oh, crap, that dude was a robot. Um, And then you have Bishop in the second one, and he did a great job playing a robot. And I love the fact that Ripley in Aliens was like, I hate you. I don't trust you. This guy should not be on our ship. And in the end, he's the one that ends up saving the day, right? Mm -hmm. Because the betrayal feels different from uh, an android that looks like a human being versus a betrayal from a toaster with legs, right? It's a yeah. different feeling of betrayal. And then at the same time in Aliens, when the android is being self-sacrificing, that feels different too. So yep. they, I mean, they, I, in some ways, I think the androids in Alien and Aliens are just as compelling, if not in some ways more compelling than kind of the Blade Runner Decker androids. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very, very true. And then you get to Coven, or uh, sorry, Prometheus, where you have uh, my, uh, David, sorry, You've got David, um, who was created by Wayland himself to kind of be his successor, his son, is what he refers him to. And, um, you know, this this android develops a egomaniacal creationist, like, bent and is, like, you know, making decisions that gods can make, you know. And um, it's interesting because he he is almost treated as like uh, an atom for androids, you know, cause he's different than the other ones and his programming is a little bit different. Um, and that's called out very strongly in, um, in covenant when uh, Michael, the other Android that was kind of uh, a spawn from Wayland was um, kind of saying like, dude, you're off the rails, you know? And, you know, we have programming for a reason type of thing. So it's, it's really interesting to see that dynamic play out where, you know, you've got these androids that aren't supposed to be anything other than basically mechanical servants for when these people are in cryosleep, actually playing an integral part in the, um, in the plot of the story and having these kind of more morality crises and questions as they, as they kind of go along. Yeah, David's a good example of the um, like um, physical individual manifestation of Wayland. Right. Wayland, you know, and I'll say Wayland, not Wayland Yutani, because it is just Wayland Corp at that time period. Yep. Um, because uh, you know, no matter how many times you feel like he has made a turn and is redeeming himself, he just turns <laughs> back around. I mean, like you, you end Prometheus, like. You know the whole issue that went down with Prometheus is because of him. He tried to he wanted to run an experiment, which kind of yep. ran things amuck. And then, and then he gets his head torn off. And at the end, the one chick who survives is like, David's like helping her survive, 
Yep. And you're thinking, all right, well, maybe he realizes he's just got to do what he can to help her, and he kind of helps her, and and then she puts his head up there on the dash, and they take off in the ship, and she's like, all right, David, let's go do this. And then you get to Covenant, you get deep into Covenant, you're like, well, that was a mistake from her. She shouldn't have done that. Yeah, that was a Because David mistake. turned around and spliced her open and used her to do more experiments once she put them back together. And, you know? uh, and he wiped oh, out an entire... Well, we, said, we did people. say there were spoilers. We did yeah. say there were spoilers. Uh, yeah, I I think you you're gonna pretty you're gonna get pretty close to assuming that early the, in that I've movie. I've been spoiled. Oh, every, absolutely. Every alien, yeah. every surprise has always been spoiled. I mean, yeah. I mean, quite frankly, I mean, I you really had to dig into Prometheus to say, okay, now I think I understand why this is sort of a prequel to Alien. Oh, okay, I kind of get it. Yeah. So. I mean, hopefully, like, I, before anyone told me Prometheus was a prequel, like, you, you, I could tell it was just because of the aesthetic and the feel of the movie. It was like, this is going to be in the alien universe. Yeah. And then, yeah. you know, it what happens at the end there happens. And, but, uh, especially when they went into the engineers, kind of the, went inside oh, yeah. of the area and you could seem like, oh, this is a totally alien universe type of a thing. Yeah. When you saw the, um, the, like, the weapon seat, right? That looked like a giant gun turret thing that he was sitting in. You're that's like, the oh, I saw that's that. That's the navigation console. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. So um, that right there, like, was the big dead giveaway that, <laughs> oh, yeah, okay, because that's what it looked exactly like in Alien when they found the ship, you know? Yeah, so, so I think I think David is, is a, an epitome of Wayland, uh, the evil of the Wayland Corp and what it kind of turned into. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm there. And, uh, you know, and then, uh, you know, years later, there's a huge history and we don't have to go into it in this podcast. Anyone can get on. You can find lots of YouTube videos or Wikipedia's that walk through. But Wayland Corp uh, goes through, you know, becoming a megacorp. It, it eventually merges with a Wayland U- with another corp, Utani, to become Wayland Utani. Um, and then uh, and then in between, I think it's is it in between Aliens 3 and Alien Resurrection is when Wayland uh, Utani gets put on the back burner when Megacorps get outlawed, and then it becomes the United uh, uh, what is it USM military USM. yeah military uh, something yeah uh, I don't remember but USM I think uh, yeah. I don't know what it stands the S stands for UMS maybe but anyways uh, and then that of course is the whole Alien Resurrection movie they're kind of in power and still kind of doing the same things. Right. Trying to engineer biological weapons, blah, 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 blah. Kind of the same plot there. And then it's not until kind of the downfall of that organization, the Whalen Yutani comes out of hiding, picks up the picks up the uh, kind of the ashes of that and puts themselves up on a pedestal to be seen as like the savior of humanity to bring them back to the next stage that people start to get positive public opinion about them. And then, of course, now they're empowered to continue on in their evil ways. Right. Continuing to to move forward and try to mess around with the uh with the alien the xenomorph aliens but so very interesting if you know and that was a very like what three minute summary there yeah but there you know there's like hours of material on the history of the Wayland yutani corporation that you could work into your own games or novels and everything it's just so much good stuff that's there around it so i think it's been a very strong influence on you know mega what a, what a megacorp can be and turn into so let's talk about let's talk about the movie franchise. You have Alien, Aliens, Alien Three, Alien Resurrection, um, Prometheus, and Covenant. 
Um, which we won't one? talk about aliens versus predators because those are not considered canon. <laughs> right. Right. Yep. Um, okay. So and they're bad. And, and they're and, not good. And, and uh, you know. What's Ironically, a, I saw that one in the theaters all the way through. That's same. the one I saw. An interesting question <laughs> is why did that movie get made, right? And Which one? Alien versus Predator. We don't have to oh, address yeah, it yeah. here, but it's like that thing. Well, there's a big comic book about it, right? There's like this was a comic crossover, and and um, in Predator Two, there was a, when they went to the ship. Yeah, um, you can there see was, the uh, there's a skull, xenomorph skull in there. Because Fox owned uh, the rights to both of them, and so they kind of did a crossover, and then there was a comic book crossover, too, that was a whole Alien vs. Predator series. So, that's that's how that movie ended up getting made. Nice, nice. Yeah, there's a bit of fan service to everybody who loved it, and Fox owned both of them, so, yeah. Um, So, you know, Alien, Aliens, Alien 3, Alien Resurrection, Prometheus, Covenant... Let's rank these movies. Let's rank them right now. Ooh, good. Yeah. Hmm. So, well, you're the one that has the most fresh. So how so would you let, rank let's them? Let's start with let's start with five and work up to one. Okay. I mean, like the wor- your worst. Sorry, sorry, worst. Worst, yeah. sorry. There's number six. Uh, six. six yeah. to number six. One. And I'm I'm going to say I haven't seen Covenant yet. I've seen all the rest of them. So whatever okay. you guys think Covenant fits into the equation, I do think Alien Three is probably at number six. Uh, I actually think Resurrection probably. I now yeah. granted I didn't yeah. see Resurrection fully. I watched kind of the cliff notes because I just couldn't get to it this week. Hmm. Um, but I think I don't know. I feel like Resurrection may be the last like at the bottom. It just was weird how they brought her back and she was pregnant, hmm. and then then you had the baby that like was born and it was like Mama basically. And she was you like, know. No, I love She's you. Like, no, I love I you. You're my baby. You know, and you're like, what is happening? The ending of that here? movie was a little. South went a little south. Yeah, so I don't know. That's number six for me. Um, so but a is, close oh, is five that, is though that the is one that had um, the, oh, yeah, that one had Ryder. 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 You know, that's the one I saw. I thought I saw Alien Three in the in that movie theater with the box. It was actually Alien Resurrection. Oh, okay, mm, that one. Okay. That one was n- no bueno. Yeah, I think I you know so the concept of that movie I think is interesting, right? Which is that the that the United Military basically said we still want to turn these into weapons and let's see how we can um, you know weaponize them. And we finally got our samples to to do some stuff with, and it just you know you're like okay that's a cool concept, but then like it just got really convoluted by the end where you're just like okay so then you had this like half human half xenomorph baby and you know ripley is like oh i'm your mommy like kill the queen over there you know and it's like what is happening it just goes to show alien resurrection goes to show that you just can't do a whatever movie on a franchise even with some nice casting i mean ron perlman's in that it's got some really cool it could have been great but if you have a dumb idea a dumb idea is a dumb idea is a dumb idea yeah, yeah. So you, uh, I remember now. USM is United Systems Military. Oh, that's right. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. right. So, and, and it's important because at the end of Alien Three, the USM Auriga, Auriga how do you say it, Auriga? the ship that they were yeah. on, crashes into Earth. Yep. Right, and creates like this giant, you know, like problem. 
Um, and that's when uh, that's kind of seen as, I think, like the downfall of United Systems military because they're kind of blamed for that. And then that's when Weyland Yutani comes and hey, we'll come clean up. We'll come help. And so the kind of the uh. end of that movie is when Weyland Yutani really picks up and goes on. Now, we haven't had any movies in the franchise from that point forward. Right. Right. So that's kind of open ground at this point as to what happens. So the but, last uh, one in the timeline, say that again, is Resurrection? Yep. In the timeline in the time, is Resurrection, yep. yes. So to me, that was number six. Number five was probably Alien 3. Um, With the prison. And, that's the prison one. Yeah, that's the prison one. And Alien 3, to me, like it wasn't a bad movie. I think some people didn't like it as much, but I also think that some people confuse Alien 3 with Alien Resurrection. Yeah. <laughs> I like I, I just I think did that, that. Yeah, I no, I, and I think I think a lot of people because people are like some well, people. Yeah, well, no, it's funny cuz some people are just like, "Oh, well, it doesn't fit the story. It's like a separate story." And I'm like, "Not really." Like, you know, like she literally goes from um the the um the military ship and that ends up crashing. They got to get out on the lifeboats, and that ends up crashing into the prison, um, you know, planet there. And so I thought it was pretty good. It just was a very '90s movie to me. You know what I mean? Where um, the it was like there was like a whole bunch of like slow motion stuff, and just like the effects were just very like '90s. The direction. And, I don't know if it held up as well as like even the original Alien, believe it or not. You know, like it just had the the look and feel of it. I was just like, oh, I feel like I should be wearing like teal and and neon colors right now and listening to Vanilla Ice. So, <laughs> where are my high tops? I need to peg. Yeah. I need to peg Goodness. my pants. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. What do you guys think of Alien Three? I, I didn't mind it, I, honestly. I, 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 I'm okay deferring to you, you alls uh, opinion on it. I've seen it, and it, it kind of just blended in with. The, it's kind of milk toasty, you know. Yeah, I, I think you know there, there's a couple things that the Alien franchise have kind of taken and ha- waved over the years, and one of those is the speed of the metamorphosis that happens with uh-huh. the aliens. Um, and in you know in this one, uh, the little face hugger goes and sucks onto a dog, and the chest bursts out of the dog, and then you have kind of a hybrid dog Zeno floating around. But it gets to full size like stupid fast in this movie, <laughs> like yeah. stupid fast. Um, but but you know I think you always kind of have to hand wave those. And I this. mean the original Alien, it got to full size pretty quick. It does, and, and it, it it absolutely does. Um, and I think. Um, I think you know you could always hand wave that and say that's the engineers designed it with a accelerated um, uh, growth specifically yeah. because it's a weapon. Uh, but uh, I I I didn't mind Aliens three and I do feel that it did have kind of a '90s movie feel. Yeah. But it had to me it still had a very dark '90s movie sure. feel. Sure. And I enjoy I enjoy that aesthetic. So I actually enjoyed the movie uh, for what it was. Um, do you agree that it should be number five? No, let me think for a second. Um, so here's my problem. Uh, I actually liked watching Covenant, but I sh- have problems with Covenant. Okay. So Covenant's okay. actually near the back end for me. So Covenant uh, would be five and maybe Alien 3, 4 for you. Yeah, because I, I think Resurrection is a six for me. Uh, yeah. Covenant, I think, is a five, and Alien 3 is a four for sure. Okay. So um, for me, Covenant is four. 
not five, right? So I, you and I are flipping the Covenant and Alien yeah. three spots. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's talk about Covenant. Like, why why do you think Covenant is a number four? Or so five, five, yeah, yeah. So five. I'll I'll start with what I like about Covenant. Um, I like I said once again the um, the character development between Michael, David, uh, and the folks who survive. I think was the Michael David thing was just awesome. It was fantastic. It was a amazing. Job. Both of those actors did such an amazing job. Yeah. What so what good. the problem I had with Covenant was I just two things. Two big two huge things. Uh-huh. One, they came in and they just totally deleted the engineers out of the story. Right. Like Prometheus totally set up this new thing, the engineers who came before who basically created humanity and then we're wiping them back off potentially and just this this awesome biotechnological race and then in the first i mean well when in like a five three minute cut scene in covenant they just like deleted all the engineers yeah it's it was almost like a, what happened in in um in the the skywalker saga in the second one of the skywalker where they're like you know what no we don't we don't want snope <laughs> I don't, don't want to do that. Yeah. I don't want to do that. No, yeah. He's I don't dead do now, that. so we don't have to worry about him. Okay, keep going. Yeah. Keep going. Keep rolling. Keep yeah, rolling. that's kind of what they did with the engineers, and I really yeah. like the concept of the engineers. So I had a problem with that. I like the a concept. Problem with that. I did like that concept. Yeah. The yeah. other thing I had a problem with is I just did not, I did not agree with like the spores. The oh, spores I agree. Being able, that, that that was, was way too much thing. of a stretch. It's way like too way too easy, way too easy to get infected and like yeah burst it out right like right come on like, i could see the spores causing like problems but not actually infect you with an alien because of a spore you know that- what would have been better is if um the spores got into you and they gestated into little mini face huggers that burst out of your skin <laughs> well Do you know what I-, I mean and then they and then those ran off and got bigger and then became the face huggers you know, rather well, than maybe. like the yeah. full blown thing. So like they're like little a like a couple more cycles in the evolution. Yeah, the or they're the they're just like they're like oh like they get these spores in there and then they see things wiggling around in their veins, so they cut it open and these little slug things come out. Yeah, do you know it, what I mean? Like yeah. that would have been cooler to me. And then the, because like, dude, you need the face huggers. The face huggers are like they even had the face hugger in Prometheus. Yeah. Like, yeah. you know? Yeah. And what did uh, did James Franco and Danny McBride kind of take you out of the narrative? Did it seem like, hey, we're in an alien movie, but we got some great comic relief? Uh, uh, they, they didn't really. To be really. honest with you, no, they didn't. I actually was thinking about that, though, Dan. Like, you make a good point because, like, here's Danny McBride that made, um, you know, the end of the world movie, like right before this one, <laughs> you know, I mean, like where of, it was one of Hollywood's greatest goofballs. I like him. Oh yeah. Franco I mean, he was has Tropic his own Thunder. big problems. Yeah. But you yeah. Know. Yeah. Like Danny McBride did Tropic Thunder. I mean, he was doing like Eastbound and down yeah. and all this other stuff, you know? And so like, he's got his own thing. I thought he did a great job as kind of a serious actor in there as Tennessee. And, um, it did. He there's nothing that he did that that didn't make me think that like he was, wasn't the pilot of that ship. You oh, know what cool, I mean? Cool, cool, cool. I, so I, need to see I thought it. he did I need great. To see it. Um, I will also say this, and and you know we're gonna get to Prometheus here in a minute, but Idris Elba, in Prometheus, like dude, that dude can do no wrong in acting He's either. So good. You know, He's so good. like he is so good, and he was great as the captain of the of the Prometheus. So. Uh, big fan of him. All right, so uh, so I've got 
number six, Resurrection. Number five, Alien 3. Number four, Covenant. And you've got those last two switched, Jason. Mm-hmm. What is your number three? Um, I think my number three, and I've been struggling with this one because, uh, you know, there's only three left. Uh, yeah. I I think my number three is going to have to be uh, Alien, the original. Oh, what? interesting. I'm going okay. yeah. to put Prometheus and, in my number three. Prometheus and, yeah. is my number three, too. But yeah. that's okay. Go, you, go you're ahead, You're entitled Jason. to your opinion. So, so, yeah, this time and, you are. And this is <laughs> this time. And this is really probably just based off of nostalgia for me okay. because Aliens with the S, so the second movie, yeah. that that movie just has so much nostalgia. Like there are so many one-liners and quotes and everything and you know memes and just so much stuff comes from that movie that just proliferates uh proliferates my life. Yeah. That that one has to take the number 1 spot for me. Well, so spoiler I, alert, dude, on your yeah, list. Hello. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and and so, but I struggle because I love, I love Prometheus. Yeah. I love the concept. I love what it's set up. Um, I love the concept of the engineers. I love, I love the background and the explanation it gives for the xenomorphs and the evolution of that of the weapon they created into what it became. It was world with building. The aliens. Really good. It was yeah. it was building. really yeah. good world building, which is why yeah. I really love Prometheus. And it is yeah. it's a it is a fine sequel prequel that makes the movies that came before it better, and Prometheus yeah. it, that's true. does that, and that's hard to do, um, but it, it accomplished it. It's still my yeah. number so, three, but I, 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 uh, I'm with you. I'm with you. Yeah, I yes. totally agree. And that had an amazing cast in it, right? You had, yeah. obviously, Michael Fassbender. You had Charlie Theron. Yeah. You had Idris Elba. You know, like, you had some you had some big hitter names in that. And I kind of feel like it did not probably get the box office draw that it was hoping to get. And I think it's a shame because it was a great movie. Well, it didn't have the word alien in the title. And it, I think they were trying to play fast and loose with the mystery of it. And I think it hurt them, in my opinion. That's probably fair. If they called it Aliens Prometheus, um, maybe maybe they had issues with Alien Resurrection, though, right? Yeah. So well, I think I think the alien tie to Prometheus was supposed to be um, a little bit of a teaser. Yeah until you were in in the theater watching the movie and then you started to get clues like holy crap this is in this franchise yeah yeah, yeah. it's supposed to seep in and you're like oh no oh no we got face hugging yeah. oh my gosh ah. yeah because so, i don't think i don't think any of the trailers of prometheus or at least the early trailers had anything that alluded to wayland or um any any of this stuff right so here is the reason why prometheus is my number three um you have characters throughout the franchise who are doing evil things, right? So in Alien, it was Ash. And evil might be not be the right... He was following orders, right? But he was doing it clearly under the the uh, orders of Wayland, which was like, who cares about the crew? Yeah, exactly. But still, it was an evil act, right, of him like not following protocol. Um, in Aliens, you had um, the company guy. His name slipped in my mind. Um, but he was actively trying to like, you know, enrich himself in the company by mm-hmm. capturing one of these things. And so sabotaging the group. Right. So that was evil. 
um, in, uh, you know, you, you jump forward to like Prometheus and Covenant, you've got David doing his thing. And so you've got these people that are the villains, right? That Because what's interesting is the monsters aren't the villains necessarily. They're just a horror backdrop. And um, so my issue with Prometheus wasn't that there are people who are being evil, as David was. My issue was that there's people who are being really stupid and probably shouldn't, like, wouldn't be doing the things they'd be doing if they were really that person, if that makes sense. So, like, for example, the biologist in there, um, they're, they got trapped in the in the ship, right, in the temple thing, and uh, they couldn't get out because of the storm that had come up. And mm-hmm. so he and the other buddy are, like, camping out, and they're like, whoa, what was that thing? And there's, like, a cobra-style reptile that pops up and is looking at him. He's like, oh, hey, this is totally cool. Hey, little buddy, let me try to pet you. <laughs> I know. You I know? know, you're like, wait, what? Like, it's not without its flaws. You know, and so so, so there, that movie was kind of full of moments where I'm just like, I just don't feel like somebody who knew their business about, like, biology would be like, I don't know anything about this animal, but by darn it, I'm going to try to pet it. You know, and with horrible consequences, of course, you know. I don't so. even like petting dogs. i have allergies i have allergies i'm not a dog hater i'm an allergist i mean we're all sitting here going like this is not good this is not good and he's just like oh it's fine it's totally fine you know it's a standard trope though of almost every horror movie is as an audience we see back and say i'm watching a horror movie don't touch that yeah but you know the the other people who are in the movie they don't know they're in a horror movie yet so they're doing. I mean, they, they their inhibitions kinda, are down. But don't you don't think they did? Because they're just like, oh, don't don't touch this stuff. This is not good, right? Like, don't touch any of this stuff. And they're like, okay. And then all of a sudden, this like reptile shows up and they're like, I'm gonna touch the snake. Oh, dude, I would have flamed it right then. <laughs> right? You're yeah. like, this is not good. So, um, but anyway, so that that's why I felt like um, that was number three instead of like number two, maybe. So there you go. That was my number three. Yeah. Um, all right. So let's talk about uh, your number two. So, yeah. I mean, my number two is the original Alien. And um, I love it. I think it's iconic. It's got the chest burst scene. It's got the introduction of everything. Um, <clears throat> it's got the iconic LV-426, the planet yep. that they arrive on, which then gets inhabited uh, through the colony in the in the next movie. Um but uh, at the end of the day, it is a haunted house in space, which means it has kind of a limited, uh, there's a limited uh, uh, um, world building that happens in it. It really serves as a really cool introduction into the franchise and the horror of the Xenomorph. Yeah. And, and, and I love it for that, but, um, but it, uh, it's also the second one I saw, and that's where I say it's kind of a nostalgia choice for me that puts it in second place. So um, I, I agree. I think um, I think the iconic flavor of Aliens, you know, my spoiler alert, Aliens is number one for me too. Um, so Alien is my number two. And um, I think the, the here, here's what's great about it is they were working in the late 70s on this film and they wanted to have this kind of xenomorph thing do it. But look, the special effects and probably the budget that they were on wasn't super high, you know. And um, so the way that they positioned the xenomorph to jump out and grab and hide in the shadows and do that mm-hmm. stuff, like, was great. The only time you really see the full xenomorph 
Uh, you see it two times. One, when it's sort of near that intersection that she's like, oh, crap, I can't go yep. back that way. And then the second time when she's on the escape ship and it, like, uncoils itself. You know, um, otherwise you really don't see the full thing. You just see claw, you see mouth, you see tail, you know. And um, so, you know, I mean, me knowing film and stuff like that, you're like, okay, well, you know, that doesn't cost as much sci-fi budget, <laughs> you know, like, or FX budget to, to do those things. But they worked it in such a way that it gave such a great horror vibe about it. And, um, again, you had a great cast there. Sigourney Weaver, Tom Skerritt, you know, like you had like some real, um, real iconic seventies names in that, in that, uh, group. And I thought they all worked really well together. I'm going to say, yeah, um, even... sorry. yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Dan. I'm going to say alien is my number one. Okay. I love aliens. That is a rock'em sock'em yellow mech robot, exciting romp. And you really care about Newt, and you care about the Marines, and I love it. It's a great film, but it's an action film. And what Alien does is it world builds enough to build all these sequels on top of it, and it does it in a way that nobody else did. And I'm going to plug H.R. Geiger as the Swiss artist who's on the special effects team who came up with the entire look of the film. And funny, H.R. Geiger was working on the Dune film that never got made. That's a whole long story. And, oh, yeah. And mm-hmm. so uh, when Alien came up, they're like, hey, we got this Geiger guy. He could do some crazy stuff. And so they, they brought him into the film. And, you know, he just totally, from an art direction standpoint, in the first movie, created through artwork just so many powerful ideas it's not just it's beyond horror it's the blending of you know mechanical technology with biological technology with danger and darkness and corruption and he could just do that in these crazy powerful images and so you get that in alien and alien in 2002 was inducted into the National Film Preser- uh, the National Film Regist- Registry in the Library of Congress by the Preservation Board of the United States. So I think I'm with those guys. I think you sometimes, you know, is, is the most important part of the oak the oak or the acorn that makes the oak? For me, I'm going to put my money on the acorn here. It is Alien is a smaller film, but yeah. just with what H.R. Geiger did, because they could have had any idiot artist go, oh, we need an alien. Well, he guess he should have fur and bug eyes and big teeth, right? Right? I don't know. But the way th- those aliens were so scary. They were yeah. they were they felt real and they felt uh you know, uh, there was no empathy you could have with those aliens. You know, you just walked off of, you know, Star Trek. All those Star Trek aliens, every alien in the galaxy is somebody you can eventually get to be best friends with and invite into your federation. <laughs> right, right. right. Except for the Horda. Other than that, you know, (laughs) (laughs) but when you're dealing with the Xenomorph, it is a monster and it's scary not just because it has claws and a mouth inside of a mouth. It's scary because it is it is beyond we, we can't we can wrap our brains around how dangerous it is and we can't wrap our brains around how it became how it how it is what it is and how do we how do we fold this new form of life into our 
our our our earth based brain of what animal life does and doesn't do. So, I mean, yeah. I, that thing just kicks the crap out of me. And we know they're cutting corners. They did the best they could. They couldn't shoot the whole. No, I think it's great. They couldn't shoot the whole alien's body because it looked too stupid if they did it. But I'm yeah. telling you what, I uh, you know, I thought it was great. Necessity's but... the mother of invention, and the art the art direction just kills it for me. Yeah, and and you know the interesting thing is that um, it fit totally with the aesthetic of Alien and Aliens at the time, yeah. right? Which is kind of like low tech sci fi yeah. in a sense, right? They're still using like little green CRT monitors to like communicate, which is interesting, you know. And it, like the beginning of the whole thing when they come out of cryo, it's like you know what I mean? Like it's almost like a dial up modem. Yeah. Like, you know, sounds and, and, you know, data downloading. And what's interesting is, like, you look at Warhammer 40K and, like, that's their aesthetic. They're, mm-hmm. like, low-tech space travel, you know? I mean, they've got some pretty high-tech things that they don't understand, but the computers they use are all, like, the green screen, like, DOS-style computers, you know? So, um and, and I will say that that is one thing that um, kind of took me out of it a little bit is like when, you know, you're doing Prometheus and, and Covenant and it's all like super high tech and touch screen things, you know, and I'm like, okay, I mean, I get it, right? Like we've got the, the um, FX to like do those cool things now, but I kind of like the old school aesthetic too. Yeah, for sure. You know, it, it, it sure. felt like it felt like you didn't have the technology to deal with this threat. You know what I mean? Like you had to rely on traditional guns, bullets, flamers. You know what I mean? Like you could, you couldn't just be like, okay, well we're going to put up a force field because we got cool tech, you know, or something like that. So yeah, uh, I, I like that. So uh, let's do, let's, let's talk about our number one, Jason aliens. Yeah. Aliens, man. I mean, so iconic, right? Like, like Dan said, it was a fun action movie at the time, but also you go from Alien, where there's just one monster haunting you around in the spaceship, to now you're on a on a dead colony with, you know, hun- hundreds of these things that are chasing you down, trying to kill you. And, you know, just the, the futileness of trying to survive. Um, there, It's a dark movie, you know, there's basically like, you know, an electric storm or whatever, the whole movie. Um uh, it's a derelict colony. Uh, there's, you know, death at every corner. Even when they feel like they've buried, uh, you know, uh, boarded off into a safe area, they, they're coming through the ceiling, which, boy, that's an iconic scene right there. Oh, right? yeah, for sure. Uh, the, the quotes that have come out of that, you know, let's rock, game over, man, short controlled burst. How many times have you heard short controlled burst or even thought that when you're playing a video game? <laughs> right. When you're shooting a game, right, or shooting a gun. It's just... So many things that come out of that movie uh, that are awesome um, uh, with there. So it's just it just has so such nostalgia with me for growing up, and then you I still see I see it everywhere uh, all the time, which always brings it back. So it's really why it's my number one. And, and the cast, like you you've said before, the cast has the has chemistry. All the soldiers, even when they're bickering and picking on each other, the way you know. Uh, teammates do it just it, it feels right it feels natural yeah um the chemistry is really good i think i love i love members. the distrust that they had for ripley in the beginning and then the absolute complete trust that they had for her at the end oh yeah you know uh-huh. what i mean like yep. there's like holy crap if we want to live through that and you know the evolution of hicks 
um, yes, was kind of interesting because he was this bravado bragger like, yeah, we'll kill anything in front of us, man. You know, and by the end, he was like working to get people out. You know what I mean? Yep. And, and it was it was awesome. It was awesome to see. I will say this. Um, I was skeptical about Newt. And, you know, again, I had seen parts of this before, so I knew about Newt. But I'm sitting here going like, okay, you've got this little girl. Um, and I wasn't crazy about the idea of like, okay, this little girl managed to survive on her own. Sure. You know what I mean? But um, she won me over, man. I mean, who's not a fan of Newt, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, she won me over because like what they did is they had a great chemistry between Ripley and Newt. You know, where like this is my daughter now in a sense. You know what I mean? I got to take care of her. I got to protect her. And, um, yeah, it was great. So Newt uh, did a couple things for that movie. Um, if you remember one, one of the other, um, one of the other quotes that has come in that movie was when Ripley says, "We, you know, we should basically just go to orbit and nuke the whole thing. It's the only way to be sure." That is, that is such a quote right there, right? Nuke yeah. it from orbit. Nuke it from orbit, but yep. um, but she can't. She's got to go in, and she's got she when she, when they first find Newt, all of a sudden Ripley's motivation totally changes. It's all yep. right. We got to get this kid to safety. And the other thing that Newt does is Newt shows that there's another level of intelligence with these aliens because the aliens didn't capture Newt and just immediately kill her or suck her up to be a face hugged thing. They kept her because they knew that Ripley wanted her. Yeah. Right. So Ripley goes down and has the confrontation with the queen. The queen knows what Ripley wants. She understands Ripley and she gives her Newt to keep her uh, Ripley from, uh, you know, frying her eggs. Which is yeah. what she does anyway. Yeah, but right. But what it did, it it showed that there was some intelligence there beyond just eat, 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 eat yeah, from the right. aliens, right? Right, definitely. So definitely. Newt played a good role in uh, in that movie. Yeah, she just wasn't this token kid, and I was afraid that that's what she was going to be. You know, she also gave she also gave you a reminder um, throughout the whole movie of the fact that they're not just in a derelict colony; they're in a place where there were families. And you know that are all consumed. All these, all these aliens used to be her family members and friends and and people that were on this colony. Right. And now they're trying to kill you. Yep. Yep. Yeah, it's very good. Very good. So, um, with this in mind, um, man, you know, all these movies are so good, and I'm I'm glad that I was able to kind of go through them. Um, what kind of you know, bringing this back to our tabletop and beyond gaming stuff. What influences has Alien had on like the gaming stuff? Yeah, uh, this is a good way to wrap up the uh, the episode here. I know this has been a long one, but we're have this is a good topic, I think. Um, but video games, um, you know, there have been from the 1980s. Obviously, once it once once that first movie came out, the game industry is going to capitalize on it. From 1980 yeah. to present. And this was just a cursory check, so I could be wrong or off the numbers, but you could have an idea for the ballpark. There's been, I think, 17 alien-specific movies, or games, games, uh-huh. and 14 Alien vs. Predator games, and lots of alien franchise crossovers, such as, you know, like you can play the alien in the Mortal Kombat games, right, so stuff like that right, right, as right, well. Right. And that's just video arcade games, right? Yeah. Yeah, and the, so then you get into there was a collectible card game in the late '90s. Uh, Legendary Encounters had an expansion um, uh, in the mid uh, 2014 to 2016. Horror Clicks put out one. There have been I think nine RPGs uh, since the '90s to present. 
Um, uh, the most recent one, I think, being in 2019, which was, I, th I think it was a Kickstarter. Uh, might not have been, actually. I don't think it was a Kickstarter. But um, So the really lots of influence into the gaming industry uh, yeah. on this. Yep. Yeah, um, I remember, gosh, it was probably like 10 years ago that Alien came out, like on the Xbox. And, and oh, computer, Alien Isolation? Alien Isolation. And yeah. it got roasted for some of the derpy graphics it had. Like the aliens would walk around and be like, derp, 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 derp Oh, no, derp, you're thinking of a different game, not Alien Isolation. Oh, really? Okay, yeah. yeah. But it was an alien game where it, it, it was basically a stealth game that you had to do. And... Um, yeah, these aliens walking around were just like, I mean, there were like memes coming out of it about <laughs> like uh, how derpy they looked, you know. And, um, but, uh, you know, you and I played um, Alien Fireteam Elite. Is that what it's called? Fireteam mm -hmm. Elite? Yep. And uh, that was a great game. I mean, those little, those little buggers coming at you uh, can get overwhelming sometimes. Yeah, and, that's all uh, about the hordes. Yep. So it's a lot of fun. It's, um, Alien Fireteam Elite is like a Left for Dead, you know, Back for Blood style survival, you know, where you're getting from point A to point B, or you need to hold down an objective or something like that, and you just got hordes of these guys coming out at you. You've got ones that'll jump out of the ceilings <laughs> at you. You had mm -hmm. five of them in one of our rounds. Oh man, yeah, the prowlers that'll just they'll they'll <laughs> they'll hide until you turn a corner, and then they'll jump on you and just tear you apart till your teammates can shoot them off. Yeah, that was great. We're like, Jason, stop, dude. I know. I've got proud again. <laughs> got proud. So, um, and uh, we've obviously seen the Alien RPG. I'm very curious to see how it holds up alongside Mothership because I feel like Mothership is the spirit animal of, you know, maybe that's not the right word. It is the, it is like the intellectual successor of the Alien franchise. Like, it is so spot on with the feel of that universe yeah. that it's amazing. Yeah, now I think that, to be fair, um, I think a, another reason why you might feel that way is the way that um, the way that I play as a DM with Mothership. I play it very much in an alien. Because you could also, someone could take the Mothership franchise and they could very much play it in like a, uh, any kind of an 80s sci-fi uh, uh, space uh, setting. Um, so I've like played, the Milky I've White. three different DMs, Jay, and it's all been the same. <laughs> You all feel yeah. the same. Well, there you go then. There but you go. I mean, like, like you know, do the androids all have milky white substance, like, and they're running into their veins? Is that part of the thing, or is so that just you injecting that in there? It, I injected that in. Okay. So, and okay. and I know that uh, if you remember the first time we played, Dan, the first guy, and that was at a catacon actually. Uh, yes. The first guy, he said, "You tell me what the android looks like." And I said, well, I'm going to make it like the alien android. And so I described it as a milky white in entrails and things like that. So I kind of put that on the table at the time. He opened the door and said, you tell me what it looks like. And I went that direction with it. Yeah. I mean, look, like, I feel like, you know, the missions that you have in Mothership aren't um, necessarily always going to be about the xenomorph, which I think that if you play the alien RPG you're going to get a lot of that, right? You're going to get a lot of facehuggers running around. You're going to get a lot of, you know, Wayland yutani Corporation stuff that you have to do. You know, uh, you're going to be teams exploring different things. 
Yeah. I mean, you could play the engineers. You know, you found a crashed engineer ship that you got to go into and stuff like that. So I think that there's lots of stuff you can do. But with Mothership, like, we played that one where, like, the ship was becoming organic and becoming weird. You know yep. what I mean? It had nothing to do with the Alien franchise. But to me, it still had that 80s kind of low, lo-fi, sci-fi mm-hmm. feel, you know? For sure. For sure, yeah. So... You know, I would I'm say, using like a rivet gun, you know, yep, <laughs> like <laughs> yep. if and anyone who I think has been a fan of the Dead Space franchise, uh-huh. you could you could definitely play it in the feel of Dead Space, too, which I would argue Dead Space is heavily influenced from the Alien franchise as well. Uh, you know, it's very much I would say check that out if you haven't. It's one of my favorite accomplishments in my life is that I. I broke through the terror and actually completed the entire Dead Space franchise. <laughs> I played it. I played it in fifteen-minute chunks at one point because it was so terrifying to me. And you have uh, oh man, the therapy sh- to, to to prove it. <laughs> I do. I do. Yes, I still have the cold sweats. At night. <laughs> my my stress level playing that game was through the roof. Which game? Dead Space. Oh yeah. Oh my gosh. I was like, I and I don't even think I finished it. I'm like, I I like my blood pressure is like way too high right now. It it you is know. it's about managing the terror that's for sure. One yeah. thing about that game I learned is always move forward, never backpedal. You see monster in front of you, move towards it because you can control what's in front of you. You don't know what's behind you. <laughs> that's a good point. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, Mothership is a great RPG that's has a light rule set and is very easy to apply an alien aesthetic to it. It's just almost baked in. Yeah. It really makes it easy. Well, for it, sure. It, it, you don't have to pick one or the other unless, you know, because Mothership is not an expensive game to buy into, right? It's it's pretty cheap. If I remember yep. correctly, it's free in some yeah. formats, right? Um, mm-hmm. And so if you're into the Xenomorph and Wayland and all that story and lore, go get the uh, one of the many RPGs that have been published that cover that. If you're, like, going after the vibe or you want a light rules feeling or you know that sci-fi horror is something that you won't really be able to sustain in your group for a long period of time mothership's a great way to go but you're not going to have a bad time with either right no, not at all right yeah. right good stuff so uh great discussion on on the franchise guys um i really enjoyed prepping for this podcast it was great watching these movies and you know just beefing up on the alien lore um i will end this uh I, I will end with this is that um, you hear a lot of times that like, Oh, you can't have action movies with strong female leads or heroines right in it. And you hear that sometimes like Hollywood will complain that people don't like those types of movies or whatever. I think alien proves that that's not the case, mm-hmm. right? Like Sigourney Weaver was awesome in all of those movies. Like she was so good and um she was tough she wasn't uh, like you know she wasn't a princess that needed rescuing yep. she was you know she she was doing her job if you want to see her she do was that smart. check galaxy quest <laughs> <laughs> right yeah, exactly. yes that's Perfect. so funny so um you know she she like this proved that like the story if you've got a great story that you know has this this you know feminine heroine lead um it can still be great no matter what. And I, you know, that was all the way through the seventies, all the way, even up until now, you know, even the doctor in um, Prometheus was a great lead in there as well, you know? So, um, yeah, I, I think that this, uh, this 
Aliens franchise broke down a lot of different barriers. It um, set us up for some great uh, content in the future, and you know we're still feeling the echoes of it now. Um, you know throughout everything that we're doing. I, you know, you can even argue that Pitch Black with Vin Diesel has got like some. Yeah, aliens. I wrote that down as one of my influences. Oh, I was gonna yeah. say that. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah, I mean, like, there's just so many where you're just like, wow, this this has got a real Aliens feel to it. And, you know, that's great. I think it's awesome because there are almost like these inside jokes at this point where you see it and you're like, ah, Aliens, cool. Yep. And then you just kind of, like, move on and enjoy the new world that's been created from that, you know, IP. So, um, or spawned off of that IP, I guess. So, anyway. Well, thank you, everybody, for listening to us. Uh, We're going to be posting this episode soon. Check us out on social media. We're on Facebook, Twitter, uh, Instagram. Uh, You'll be seeing us post about this episode and other things. Interact with us there. Join us on the Discord. Um, We'd love to hear from you. We'd love to uh, get interacting with you. So thank you so much for listening, and uh, everybody have a great night. Go watch some Aliens movies. Yep. See ya. Goodbye for now.